This is the Oanda Podcast. Welcome to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, speaking to Oanda senior market analysts with all the latest business and market news. And today it is Jeff Halley in Singapore. Good morning from London, Jeff. And good afternoon from Singapore. Now, before we talk about the week to come, what is happening at the moment in Asia as far as Asia Pacific markets are concerned? Well, very much a two-speed market when we think about equities today. China markets have rallied slightly today as commodity prices eased. Late last week, the Chinese authorities came out and started warning about speculating for iron ore and rebar, steel rebar futures, which had shot up massively over the week, as had copper. That's taken some of the heat out of commodities for now, which has been a positive for uh, Chinese equities. For the rest of Asia, it's very much COVID-19. We're seeing Japan, Korea, South Korea, I'm sorry, Thailand, uh, Singapore, uh, Malaysian markets, uh, all in retreat, uh, some of the peripherals as well. And the reason for that is COVID-19. COVID-19 is becoming like whack-a-mole in the rest of Asia, X, China. Uh, we've got increasing uh, community cases in Singapore with new restrictions coming in over the weekend and also again going back to online learning for schools on Wednesday. Taiwan, which has been a, uh, a, a pillar of uh, COVID-free uh, life over the last year, has also had a sudden surge in cases and has brought in social restrictions, uh, surging cases in Malaysia and in Thailand, and I'm sure that Indonesia is going to have a similar issue with everybody returning from the end of Ramadan holidays. Uh, this is definitely weighing on sentiment across Asia. We saw uh, states of emergencies uh, expanded in Japan as well, and South Korea has issues. So I think this COVID-19, its potential resurgence in Asia, is weighing on sentiment there ex-China. So we're seeing uh, those markets either slightly down or flat for the day, uh, which is quite a substantial divergence from the huge rally we saw in New York on Friday. Also, we're seeing regional Asian currencies under pressure as well. That's in sharp contrast to over here in England, Jeff, with the easing of COVID restrictions It's a big day, May the 17th, all indoor hospitality and uh, foreign travel, not all foreign travel, but at least it's open. What a contrast to where you are, where COVID-19 is actually getting worse. Yeah, it's a two-speed world. China has managed to control COVID-19 from within its borders, and there's other exceptions such as Australia and New Zealand. Europe, the United Kingdom, United States, full speed ahead because they are the three parts of the world that have basically bought up the vaccines and actually managed to vaccinate substantial amounts of their population, allowing their economies to to reopen. That's even in contrast to Canada, just over the border from uh, the United States, where everybody is still effectively in lockdown across the whole country. So the the differences, the stark differences are there, (coughs) excuse me, for everybody to see. Uh, We're becoming, it's very much a two-speed world. I think as long as the US and China remain on track with their recoveries, the travails of other parts of the world shouldn't derail the overall uh, uh, economic recovery. But uh, if, say, they were suddenly to explode in China, we'd have to reassess those things. But it's also... uh, um, a representation of vaccine distribution. I mean, Europe, US, UK have uh, obviously uh, managed to secure 
vast amounts of vaccine supplies, which I don't really have a problem with because they've effectively paid for them to be developed and they should have first rights to them. But we can see that effect on the economic recoveries now and it's very, very clear to see what that effect is around the world. And there were concerns that the Indian variant would cause another wave here in the UK. But um, we had some hopefully good news over the weekend with the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, suggesting that the variant doesn't get past the vaccinations, uh, which is good news for UK PLC and the world, I suppose, with all those various vaccinations being used. Yeah, definitely. Look, from, from what the initial data suggests, the Indian variant is a lot more contagious. It's easier to catch, but it's no uh, more... Uh, virulent, uh, if, you'll ex- uh, if you'll excuse that uh, pun, unintentional. Uh, it's no more uh, dangerous than other variants of COVID-19. Thus, if you have been vaccinated, uh, it, it should stop there. You shouldn't. It shouldn't really get past the first wall. So that is uh, very good news. Unfortunately, you know, if you're in India. Um, and you have 1.4 billion people to vaccinate. That's a challenge. And other countries which don't, which haven't uh, really uh, vaccinated heavily, and that is basically all of Asia. It's been very, very slow there for some of the reasons we've just mentioned. Um, it, it becomes a challenge. You know, you start getting these variants in that are much easier, much more contag- much more contagious, and it makes it much easier for these vac- uh, viruses to get past those border defences. And that's exactly what we're seeing going on in Singapore, for example. OK, tonight. another week goes by. And meanwhile, Elon Musk, he's at it again, talking about Bitcoin yet again. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Look, uh, I, yeah, Bitcoin sunk uh, late last week. Um, these things happen, always happen when I've got a few days off. Uh, when he mentioned that Tesla would no longer accept Bitcoin as payment for their cars because of the uh, way that the uh, energy the energy use that it took to mine Bitcoin, a lot of that comes from uh, coal-powered uh, electricity. So that was his main, uh, main uh, thrust there. He has actually clarified today that uh, although they're not accepting any more Bitcoin payments, Tesla has not sold any Bitcoin. If uh, our listeners remember, they bought about 1.5 billion US dollars of Bitcoin earlier this year, which in no small was no small reason um, for for the you know the the the, the increased momentum uh, of the rally in, in Bitcoin that took it up to uh, just shy of $65,000. We're trading around 45,000 this morning. It has rallied slightly on that, but it is still down two percent on the day. Uh, I, I, I guess uh, as long as the market continues to move around on Elon Musk's uh, tweets with regards to cryptos, we are going to see continuing volatility. What about regulatory risk to Bitcoin? I know you've been highlighting that in your piece today. Yeah, I think the colonial pipeline uh, situation, this ransomware attack where they ended up paying a $5 million fine in untraceable Bitcoin could be the straw that breaks the camel's back here. When hackers are attacking core US infrastructure and then taking payment in Bitcoin, I just don't see this escaping the attention of the government, uh, the politicians, regulators, uh, obviously enforcement officials. I, I do believe that this may be just one of those little events that sparks a uh, 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 an increasing momentum amongst particularly developing or uh, developed nations, those richer parts of the world, where they either look to either just ban cryptocurrencies 
or ban citizens from from using cryptocurrencies, or they decide to regulate them heavily. Uh, And so from my point of view, I don't think it's Elon Musk, I don't think it's a stronger dollar or higher US interest rates that are the uh, material danger to the the Bitcoin or to the cryptocurrency story at the moment. It's regulatory regulatory risk now, uh, because I, I think there's just no way that uh, the major sectors or the major economies of the world are just going to sit there and allow these sorts of attacks on their on their infrastructure and then payments in untraceable currencies that are artificially created on a computer. So uh, I, I feel that um, we may have seen actually, I do believe actually we may have seen the very best of the cryptocurrency mania for now. Okay, last week was dominated by those surprising US inflation numbers, Jeff, which uh, spooked the markets. What should we look out for this week? It's a very mixed calendar this week. Uh, We have a lot of trade data coming out of Asia, but I believe that Asia itself will be dominated by the evolution of its COVID-19 situation. That's not going to be the case in in Europe and in the US, and I fully expect that the sell-offs in Asia today uh, will be reversed this afternoon in Europe and the US for the reasons that we spoke about earlier on, this two-speed world. We have a, a lot of Tier 2 data this uh, week. We have market PMIs from around Europe. Uh, we have core CPI in the UK. We have the FOMC minutes in uh, the US, and I think the market will be very closely watching to see if there's any signs of divergence amongst the FOMC committee members about this lower for longer, should we taper or should we not sooner than the market thinks. And if there's any signs of that in the minutes, then we could see equities take a fall, US interest rates rise, and then also the dollar rise. Uh, But otherwise, I I think the market will be very much driven by day-to-day sentiment. When we look at the price action of last week, we saw 2% falls, the next day it's a 2% rise, the next day it's 2% fall, et cetera, et cetera. The market's very much chasing their tails at the moment. It's become very much a, an intraday flow traders market and not a directional investors market, particularly in equities, but certainly to a lesser extent in currency markets and, uh, and such like. So um, these are all negative signs for me when you start seeing this sort of behaviour at the end of an extended bull run, which we've had since March 2020. And it could be a, a warning sign uh, that uh, the best of the equity markets uh, rally is behind us now and the danger is, is that we get a material correction. But I, I think uh, that will be the theme again of the week. It will be the changes that markets will move to the flows of sentiment uh, on, a, on an intraday basis rather than there being some sort of thematic uh, uh, trend behind the markets. How significant are those CPI figures possibly for the UK on Wednesday? Of course, last week we had, as I mentioned, the spooky of markets because of US inflation. UK inflation, what effect could that have? People are nervous about, investors are nervous or financial markets are nervous about inflation. We saw that from the reaction to the CPI numbers uh, from the US last week. Then they go into a bit of a self a self a, uh, 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 like a disbelieving mode or ignoring the obvious mode after that until it comes and waves a flag in front of their faces once again. We're seeing CPIs, PPIs, uh, all these little inflation uh, indicators, uh, uh, small business employment, salary expectations, they're all heading up. So inflation's on the way. 
we have Japan CPI on Thursday, we have UK CPI on Wednesday. And now if that uh, core CPI comes in above 0.5%, I think we could again move back into inflation uh, nerve or inflation hedging mode. That would be negative for equities, uh, positive for the US dollar, um, and uh, perhaps slightly negative on the periphery for commodities. Okay, Jeff, thanks very much for joining us this morning, and we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Always a pleasure. See you later in the week. The Oanda Podcast.